1: What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline podcast. You are listening to episode 202. I am here tonight with Ryan. Ryan, how are you?
0: I am not too shabby. We are off the tail of a great win and the wings are keeping things interesting. I, I don't know how to feel about it and very much Ricky Bobby don't know to do with my hands right now for how the season's going at this point.
1: I want to know how Blash feels after that, uh, that display against Tampa.
0: I'm sure there's a gif out there for that.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I posted a good one. It was, they did it for Lalone. They said, you are going to go out and we are going to destroy your previous team and show them that they should not have let you go. But we do have a show tonight. Uh, we're going to recap the last couple games, two wins against Columbus and Tampa. We are going to go over a little bit of Johnny Berger's info and then some Philip Hironik chatter that has taken over the league with some backup information on that chatter, which is really, really interesting. Um, We're going to go over the wins first. Currently, the Columbus Blue Jackets are being absolutely demolished by the Buffalo Sabres. Tage Thompson has four goals. Their goalies are apparently bad, but we also beat them four to two, which is the first game since we last recorded. So since we've recorded, we've won twice which is phenomenal. And I mean, by all accounts, it, it was a good game. The Red Wings, uh, they had possession for uh, 52% of the game. They had a Corsi 4 of 52.6, a Fenwick 4 of 50.9. So they controlled the game. The PDO was 103, so a little bit luckier than normal. Uh, but it was a good game. I liked it.
0: No, the Columbus game was good. It was, it was a game that you could argue they had to win or was a must win, especially just... Because you, the way that you've seen what we've seen from this team is, I would, I don't don't want to say they're exceeding expectations, but they're exceeding expectations. The day being Detroit, Columbus, as we're seeing tonight, is in a very sad state of affair. And they have their best players are out, injured. And it's not like short term, it's like you got several guys like Wierenski done for the year. Jake Voracek could be done for the year. And it's just, Their goaltending hasn't been great, and their defense has been worse. And tonight they're getting beat, what, six to nothing with Tage Thompson already scoring four four goals against Buffalo. So this is a team that Detroit came in on the road to start this road trip. They needed to win and set the tone, and they did that to a T. And you really couldn't have asked for much more. And and then they followed it up with a great win in Tampa last night. And now it's just like, what can they do next? Because we were talking about it coming in two weeks ago for episode 200. This month, if you will, is going to be a burner, and it's pretty much kicking off with this Tampa game here. But they had to start off on the right foot against Columbus, and they did that.
1: Yeah, there's no way we could have gone four losses in a row. That would have uh, been really bad. And like you said, it's a team that you were kind of at that point with how depleted they are. You're expected to beat them. And it's not that they just struggled to beat them. They beat them. I mean, it was, it was a good game. I watched yeah. the entire thing without falling asleep because we're not on the West Coast anymore. Um, but coming off of losses to Toronto, Buffalo, and Vegas, you had to beat Columbus, and they did. And then, like we talked, I talked about off the top, we went out and had just a great two periods against Tampa. And Tampa did everything in their power in the third to try to come back and win that game. And the Red Wings just shut it down, which is what you wanted to see. It got a little, it got a little scary there toward the end uh, when Huso had like 40 saves. He uh, A couple went through, which... Uh, and what, us, 26
0: saves or 29 saves? 26 saves third. or something like that in the third period?
1: Yeah. Uh, a couple got through. We were sitting on the edge of our seat there. And then uh, the Red Wings got a couple more to win, 4-2. to two. That is one where the Corsi and Fenwick numbers are not good looking. I mean... 39.8 Corsi for 46, uh, no, it's a uh, 37.6 Fenwick four. So the Red Wings did not control that game, but there was a lot in the first period, especially a lot of back and forth. I, I think there was like, it was a five or six, maybe seven minute stretch where there was no whistle and they just kept going. And it was a, I mean, phenomenal action at one point looked like a playoff game. And it was really exciting. And the Red Wings beat a very, very, very good Tampa team. Like, very good. And that's what you want. You want to start this this, uh, really tough stretch here with wins against good teams. And you, I mean, showed that uh, against Tampa.
0: They did. And what's crazy is the first two periods back and forth on on each side, you could say it was a great hockey game. There wasn't a whole lot going on.
1: It was a goalie duel at the
0: beginning. It, it was, and Vasilevsky played as you would expect. Like he was making point blank saves. I remember the one in particular off Raymond that he he denied on a beautiful centering feed. But then we had Raz come through. He finally broke the ice, uh, which seemed like an overdue goal for him. But then I think the real highlight to me was Bergen getting that goal from on the point shot from Mata with a beautiful redirect. And, you could, for, and they even talked about on the broadcast, for a guy that doesn't show a whole lot of emotion, he showed some emotion in that goal. And that is what was so fantastic to see because everything that he's seemingly doing for this team finally gets rewarded on the goal, on a goal, as a goal rather than an assist, which I'm not complaining about him getting assists because he's been absolutely fantastic when it comes to playmaking. But from that point on, it was Tampa got pissed and they're like, all right, we're going to take this game over. And it just turned on its head. And Huso, for that matter, was playing on his head. And made a, what, that backwards save? I mean, you know what I, mean? I don't even want to call it a save. He blocked a redirect. More of a facing scramble. While the goal <laughs> yeah. with his back foot towards center ice. The picture posted is fantastic. But that actually did stop a scoring chance, which is even more incredible. But it was just tr- fire, fire, fire. Stamkos brought it to within one. And then... Because they pulled the goalie with over five and a half minutes to go, so you're like, Oh god, what's gonna happen now? They, they but pulled they held from, The fact that they held on, though, I think is the most impressive point. Ernie had that beautiful spinorama to fire the puck down the ice, and then they Braden Point scored again on the net front. But the highlight was that David Perron goal just muscling his way into the net. Like he was not, he was bound and determined that pretty much into the net himself. Like he was just there to push it right in. He wasn't going to take any chance trying to shoot that thing. And that was, that kind of summarized the night. It felt to me a little bit right there is that you're going to push on me, but I'm not going to fall over or break too easily. And that's kind of what they did.
1: Yeah, it was, it was exciting. And it's, I think what you're going to see more from this team throughout the year Granted, they don't fall off the cliff after the All-Star break like they did last season, and I have no reason to think that they will. And that's the so, one to watch. Yeah, but I think that it's, like you said, with Perron taking it through, with just the heavy hitting, with the guys grinding it out and not letting Tampa get the best of them, it was, it was what we've been lacking from this team for a while, is games like that against really good opponents. And it's hopefully a sign of things to come. And I think we're going to talk about Bear Grin next because he's the one that, like you mentioned, he got rewarded. And I think he's going to keep getting rewarded. And I had put out a tweet that said, when do we start the Bear Grin Calder conversation, which was half kidding because I mean, it's, it's a really, really long shot with how uh, Matty Peneers is playing and you got Matthias Baselli in Arizona, which is a surprise one, but the, List was pulled from Quant Hockey today. Points per 60 for rookies. And Bergeron's second with 3.149 points per 60 minutes among Calder-eligible rookies. Uh, that Mattias, surprising. Yeah, Matthias Maselli is first with 3.383. Jack Quinn is third with 3.115. And Matty Beneers is fourth with 2.926. So Bergeron is getting better chances. He's getting better looks. We know he's a phenomenal playmaker. They talked about how Mickey talked about how cerebral he is, his hockey IQ. And he's doing this with fourth line minutes. Now he is getting special teams, but he's doing this with fourth line minutes. And I think that's the most impressive part. When you look at it is if if you're getting that little time and having that big of an impact, it's, it's really impressive. And I I wish that, and I think the Calder race is more for who can get more points unless you're just a beast like Mo defensively. But if it's a forward that's going to win it, I think it's who gets more points. And because guys like Maddie Beneers have games in hand, unless they get injured, and I'm not saying I hope they do, but there's ground that can't be made up if both players stay healthy for the rest of the season.
0: See? I know I didn't really touch on it, but I still think that the Calder needs to be broken up into two. They need an offensive and a defensive award for these guys because it's almost not fair. I get cider. I'm not saying Segras should have won or the sort last year. Cider was obviously the most worthy candidate there. But yes, that's my bias. But at the same time, like you look at almost, I mean, football, they've got it broke up. Yeah, baseball breaks it up, at least for pitching and, and fielding. Like, just break the shit up, man. It, but it's interesting to watch because 12 games, eight points. Is that what you thought would come from him making this team?
1: No, I, I think I was hoping that he would have like a, like a 25 to 30 point season, maybe. Because I knew he was probably going to get lower. If he was going to be on the team. With a full think- 82. Sure. I figured he was going to get lower ice. High. So maybe 30 in a full 82, but I, I have no reason now to think that he can't get. Like, he can't hit that yeah. 30, if not more, because you can I mean,
0: see it there. You, you look at what he's got. He's got you Pugh sitter. He's 24 games, eight points. He's already tied with him and he's playing one second more per game. Um, Joe Valeno, he's already passed him at, with points. And Valeno's playing a little bit less than he is, but that's over 24 games. He's passed Bertuzzi, which isn't also that much of a shock. Mm-hmm. Uh He's passed Soderblom, who obviously has been injured, but he's got 13 games and only two points. Did,
1: did he pass Zadina?
0: <laughs> Ooh. Why? Yeah, you got to go there, didn't you? He's other than, yeah, other than the goalies and Giovanni Smith. Sadina's the only player on this team with no points.
1: So if you look at Bergen's time on ice, he's averaging 12 minutes yeah. and 42 seconds a night. If you look at Matty Beneers, who is, I mean, I guess the favorite for the Calder currently, he's averaging 17 minutes and 14 seconds a night. So you're getting, I mean four more minutes. He's getting four more minutes a night than what Bergeron is getting. And Bergeron is outpacing him in points per 60 currently. Now it's, it's a limited sample size. We got to see how the season keeps going, but you figure at some point they've got to try to get him top six minutes. And then when I say that everyone yells at me and says, you can't mess up his chemistry on the fourth line with Valeno and now Zarnik, what are you going to mess up? But the problem is, is like, shouldn't you reward guys for doing well? That's, I think, my point is, like, if, if Dylan Larkin was playing on the fourth line and then just went on this tear and became this phenomenal two-way center, but he had he had chemistry with Joe Valeno, are you going to keep him on the fourth just because he's got chemistry? I think you have to reward guys by moving him up. And I don't think Pia Suter has earned second-line minutes. I think that you need no. to move a guy like Bergeron up, get him some more minutes, see what he does with that time and that opportunity, how he fares against the harder competition and go from there. And I think that it's only going to help him. It's going to get him better quality scoring chances. And and as we see with that awesome uh, tip-in he had and with this great playmaking, that it's only going to help. And I do understand the spreading out the offense theory. Just get the offense moving on each line. But I, again, also think you need to reward guys for doing well. Yeah,
0: the argument to have Suter higher, I, I don't buy or see, for that matter. Like if, he, it's, if he's up there because of he's, he's a center, then why is he on a line with Rasmussen? Like You bump him off, he, he's expendable to me at that point. Because we've already seen and talked about the fact that Bergen's had time as a center. Is he doing that now? No. But it's not like it's a foreign thing to him to have to go in there and take a draw. That's pretty much where you got Suter at this point. When you've got Rasmussen in there, because you got Raz playing center, and he's taking up all that body and space. But now you have Suter, who struggles offensively, like it, not to say that he's terrible at it, but when he's out there on offense, it doesn't usually go well. He has worse hands, I think, at this point than Darren Helm, and that says a lot. So, really you could actually argue Suter is Darren Helm 2.0 with what he brings to the team. Like he's a Great defensively, so great maybe a stretch of the term, but he's out there in most major PK situations. But when you put him out there with top line talent, I feel like he struggles. And if you switch him and Bergrin out, you're scoring more goals in my opinion, or at least you're creating more opportunity in that sense. Because watching Bergrin, what he can do around the puck, like he wasn't afraid to take it at anyone in Tampa last night. And that's in that eventually led to him getting a, a fantastic goal, but he was going in there. He was taking the puck at Hedman. He was taking the puck at Chernak, He was going after their defense and making plays. And that is what you don't typically get from a guy like Suter. And why? And that's why switching him is a no-brainer. But we're paid nothing to just sit here and bitch about it. So,
1: yeah, if you look at Pia Suter's points so far, he has eight in twenty-four. Uh, Bergeron has eight in 12. So it's just the impact there. Uh, Bergeron also has a 15% shooting percentage. Currently PS suitors at a 10.3. So it's more is going in when Bergeron's got the puck. And again, right now he's playing on the fourth line and I not to say that's not helping the team because it is that fourth line looks fantastic. It's, it's better. It's been better than the second line. The only
0: caveat if you will or argument that can maybe be posed here is when you look at tampa at their peak like they're struggling a bit this year they've got four lines that can wreak havoc and that fourth line of theirs could go out and score goals so in a way while frustrating that he's getting limited on, on minutes which now here's where i just want to see him on the power play more if this is the case but. Now you've got your balance across four lines because you can have these guys go out there against lesser competition and they're skating all around them because they are. Volano yeah. gets going and then Bergen yep. just gets the puck and he's hitting him in stride or Zarnick, the way he's come in and helped this team on the fourth line. It's been fantastic. That's my only maybe counterpoint to what we're saying at this point at this stage.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of what I was alluding to is that that fourth line has become decently unstoppable. Uh, it's like you said, Valeno's picked up his game. He's not getting a ton of points, but he's picked up his game and Bergen, I believe half of his points, maybe a little less than half of his points right now have come on the power play, which makes sense. But the, the fourth line is really good at playing. Keep away is the one thing they're, they're really good at. And if that line's out there, the opposing team generally does not have the puck. So that's kind of what I'm looking for there. But he, I think Bergeron, if he keeps up this pace, I think he deserves some Calder conversation. I think he'll get votes. Because if if he scores more, like you said, if he gets more power play time, which he has been, if he gets bumped up maybe a line or two and gets more five-on-five time, I think he scores more goals. I think he comes in, and if you get him 15, instead of almost 13 minutes a night, you get him 15 minutes a night his production will only go up. And if you're sitting at second right now in points per 60 and you get three more minutes a night, I, I have no, I mean, no doubt that he could take that over, take over the number one spot.
0: Yeah. Here's what's interesting to me, though, on the scoring third line. Bergrin, Valeno, and Zarnik have played five games together. 45 minutes of time on ice. This is per natural stat trick. 55, course, for. four. 57-6 Fenwick, 4. Their shoot, shots for percentage are is 58.14%. They've scored three goals, allowed none while on the ice. Uh, let's see. Their on-ice save percentage, obviously, is 100, but and their on-ice shooting percentage is 12%. So when they're out there, things are happening, and it's, it's, it's a good thing. Positive things are happening. But the fifty five course you four for your fourth line, I don't, I don't think you can really be too upset about
1: that. No, that just shows what Lalone said today is the team has depth. He said he's he's happy with Bergrin what Barin's been doing, but it shows the depth of the team and how when you build a deep team like this, they become more competitive. and that's how you beat teams like Tampa is if yeah. you got two good lines, you're going to get crushed by Tampa because they've got a good third line and they've got a good fourth line. And unless you can match those lines and be a deep team throughout all four, that if you can't do that, you're not going to compete and it's not going to be a fun time for you. And that was the Red Wings problem. Even as, as like recently as last season when the top two lines were, were rolling and they were good, and then your bottom two lines just shit the bed and couldn't do anything, couldn't move the puck and were constantly getting overrun but now the team is that much deeper and I think that's what right now the Red Wings are third in the division again so it's
0: they're in a tie but they have a tiebreaker with Tampa right
1: yeah I the Tampa they have a game in hand on Tampa I believe so it's that's what I'm looking at is that if you're in third like I think when we talked to Daniela and Ryan I think you said we'd be more maybe comfortable toward Christmas if we were in this position or New Year's saying that, hey, I think if we're in this position around the start of the year that maybe we're more comfortable saying, yeah, this is a team that can make the playoffs. And it's December 7th. So if they can keep this up for 14 more days, 15 more days and you're heading toward Christmas, then what happens? I mean, you've got, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games between now and Christmas. And it's Florida, Dallas, Carolina, Minnesota, Ottawa, Washington, Tampa again, and Ottawa again.
0: Yeah. This, this next four games are going to be pretty critical. Like getting, getting set like at least half the points is going to be a win in my eyes. But now you never know because Florida that, it depends on the night who's going to show up, especially for their goaltending, because Bob has not been good. I know that because he's my freaking fantasy goalie. Um, Dallas, they're high-powered scoring right now. Carolina, they're they haven't changed, and Minnesota has been fantastic. So, if they can get through with four of eight points, I feel like steal two of these games, especially on the road, because three of those next four are on the road, that's that's a big win. And then you come home against Ottawa, who again, like Detroit is one of those teams trying to make a name for themselves. You got to win that one coming back home because that's your little break. And then you have to go back to to the Caps in Washington and play Obi, And that's never fun. So, so this stretch, these next four games, we're really going to see what they're made of.
1: Yeah. And Coach Lone pointed out that that win against Tampa was the fourth straight road win for the Red Wings, which I believe hasn't been done since the 14-15 season, is what they said, four straight road games. And that's impressive. Again, you're winning a lot on the road, which, again, the Red Wings have not done recently. They, they've been a home, a home arena team, and they've been able to go out to tough arenas and put up wins. It's
0: creepy because most of these like, records or since this time type scenarios they've been showing, like that last time they won four was in 15, most of these things that they're doing were in playoff seasons. Not trying to say that's going to be the case, but they're replicating. But that's exactly
1: what you're trying to say, right? (laughs) It is because
0: they're replicating things that we haven't seen in a very long time that we kind of become became accustomed to seeing. So that's why I think there's that extra "oh shit," what are these guys going to do? But again, like you kind of said at the start, we got to temper it. At least I'm trying to temper it because I was talking to Mario today, and the schedule is not going to get much easier. We know that going up through. The new year is going to be a bitch. So if they're in a good spot by then, it's hard, it's going to be hard to temper that expectation. And then, but the all-star break to me is still where I want to get to before I start leaning one way or the other. Because if they're doing well and they're still right around the playoff mark, come the deadline. Are they, you can't think that they're going to buy, do
1: you? I feel like you're going to have more value to sell. I don't think you're going to buy because it, it doesn't make sense right now. I think that if you were, if you were closer, if you were like, like had a team where you said, I know this team can make a deep run, you looked at it on paper and you said, this is a team that can make a deep run, then I'd buy. But like I think I said before, if you're in this position around trade deadline, I'm not sure you sell as much as you thought you were going to. So, I mean, with the way Bertuzzi's played, and depending on what he does when he comes back, we talked about maybe you trade Bertuzzi and get some pieces. And at that point, maybe that's considered buying. You ship off a forward who's missed games, who hasn't played well, but you know has a history of playing well and can benefit a playoff team. And maybe you get another good defenseman and a good prospect or a good third liner and a good defenseman. Or high pick
0: I mean you look at most of these teams still and we've talked about this plenty of times is that there's going to have to be more of a hockey trade being made this year and I say it that way because of the gap like next year if this if the salary cap goes up we'll see the typical trade off picks and someone you're not trading back another body because you don't have to worry about if the team's pe- taking half of uh, somebody's salary for the remainder of the year you're fine but we could maybe see another Verona mantha type trade where bringing in someone to give someone, and that could be a Fabry or a Bertuzzi, maybe Zadina goes out the door because I feel like his spot on this roster is now dwindling. Not yeah, saying, I, I, I get it. I get it that he's got time on his contract, but he's cheap and he's young and someone can find him a spot. However, because then you also have the fact that you got Soderblom is about to come back. He's skating with the team again. Now, I, I say he's about to come back loosely because we don't really know. Zadina isn't far off. Fabry's not far off. That if things are happening to this roster. It's about to become very difficult for Steve. Now, does that mean the trades that we're potentially talking about, do they happen sooner? Because do you want to be waving some of these guys and have them get picked up? I don't think it's going to necessarily happen because you've got Soderblom, Valeno, you have certain guys that you can send down in lieu of trying to send down someone back through, but it's, it's about to get very interesting. And that's, I I like the thought process there that you're sticking with and that Burt or someone like that could be the one that you offload because he's on an expiring contract. So it does make, it makes it easier for the team that's receiving him to make that deal.
1: So we'll see. And that's where I'm going to stay because I, I can't see them buying. But then again, I'm not going to see them shipping off a ton of people either because maybe a couple guys who they've only got for a year left who they can ship off as rentals. But a lot of the pieces that you signed, like a Sharat has term, like an Andrew Cop has term. Perron doesn't have term, but I love what he brings to the team. So I don't think, and, and if you're good at, get into the playoffs, you at least don't want to be absolutely stomped in the first round. So you keep a guy like Piran around because he's got that experience. He's a veteran leader. He's played in the playoffs. So I don't think you give that up if you think you're going to make the playoffs. I think it's it's that simple. Um, yeah, to- I, don't, I don't think a lot of those
0: guys like I think we talked about this a long time ago. Uh, actually, right—they're on the start of the season. Those are all the guys you just mentioned with their playoff experience. If this team is a team that's somehow pushing for that post All-Star break coming up in the trade deadline, you can't lose that experience. You can, but do so at your own peril. Granted, it does help that their coaching staff is very accustomed to what needs to be done come playoff time. But it's one thing to coach; it's the other, other thing to be be the players. So,
1: so another reason the Red Wings have been winning is the um, revenge tour of Philip Ronick, who must have heard all the sad things we were saying about him at the beginning of the season. Because holy shit, um, Evolving Wild put out a tweet today. Uh, basically, it was a tweet thread. They said, we're at the first quarter mark of the season. So he figured we'd do our early season NHL award leaders, as always, based on their Gar and X-Gar metrics. So right now, for your first uh, vote, Norris candidates... Eric Carlson you've got Fox and you've got Philip Ronick are your first vote Norris candidates uh second vote Dallin and Morrissey third vote McCar and Theodore um that was shocking to some people and then I actually went and pulled the Gar and War chart from evolving hockey and currently your leader for defensemen in Gar, which is goals above replacement, is Filipronik with a 9.4. Next highest currently is Jonas Siegenthaler with a 9.2, and then Eric Carlson with an 8.1. Your defensive leader in war, which is wins above replacement, is Filipronik with 1.6. So Filipronik is the best defenseman in the league currently based on Gar and WAR which is pretty insane because last year we were saying man Horanic has turned but we probably need to think about moving him because he hasn't been great and even at the beginning of the season we're like oh man and then he shaved part of his beard and has been an unstoppable force ever since
0: the greatest thing ever
1: and it's not just his offense like his defense has been better i mean it's wasn't hard to improve that because he's never been a great defensive defenseman but his defense has been better, but he's uh, under a point per game right now, like one point off a point per game currently. I think he's got 20, uh, 24 and 25. So it's his season has been crazy. And again, I'll give a lot of credit to Bob Bugner.
0: No, I don't think that any of us can say with the straight face that we expected Phil Ronick to do this and in, 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 to do so in such a fashion. I was trying to pull up. Jay Fresh stats, because you look at his three year weighted, he's at a 60% war, which isn't anything special. I was trying to pull up his, his current year. But to be the third leading scorer currently on this team is pretty damn impressive, especially when you look at the year that Larkin and Kublik are having. They're both playing at a point per game pace. Roenick is literally playing just shy of a point per game. Is it maintainable? It could be because a lot of the stuff that he's doing, he's getting the puck on net. He is actually scoring goals for a change. I shouldn't say for a change, but that's the the highlight of it all. But he's still making things happen in terms of the assists, which we've known him to do over the last several years, but it seemed to be more sporadic. And the fact that it's been so consistent, didn't he just set a record, a team record Mm -hmm. passing Fedorov?
1: You I, see it. I swear believe way. he tied, did he, I, yeah, he passed uh, Fedorov, and I think the season that he passed for Fedorov, Fedorov had over 100 points.
0: Yeah, so he he's doing okay right now. Where was that tweet? I swear they just put it out there today.
1: Well, to show you how okay he is doing, again, I'm going to go by points per 60 in all situations. Uh, Defensemen only, currently the top five are Josh Morrissey, Eric Carlson, Rasmus Dahlin, Quinn Hughes, and Philip Roenick. Philip Hronick with 2.588 points per 60. Josh Morrissey is in the top spot with 2.914. Uh, right below Philip Hronick is Adam Fox and then Alex Petrangelo and then Kale McCarr coming in at number eight. So when you're in the same breath currently as uh, apparently retro Eric Carlson and uh, Norris winner Kale McCarr, Hronick, if he keeps Fox. it up, is going to get some votes. Like that's, and that to me is absolutely insane, but I'll, I mean, I'll take it. If, it's what you need to make a playoff run.
0: The, that tells you how crazy this season's been when Hronik's going to be potentially getting um, Norris votes and Sider not. Not saying that Sider's having a bad year or that he won't necessarily get some votes, but the Norris is now who, who scored the most points on defense pretty much. So, when it comes down to that, likely him getting more than than Cider, that's a good that's a great situation to be in if you're a Red Wings fan. But also kind of freaking crazy.
1: The other thing about Hronik has been his possession and how he said that like he's historically not been great defensively. And that shows by his possession numbers His all situation possession in 2021 22, his Fenwick 4% was a 45.8. His Corsi 4 was a 46.8. So it's lower possession numbers. But this season, he's bumped his Corsi up to a 54.4 and he's bumped his Fenwick up to a 55.4. So he's now a positive possession player. His shooting percentage, his on ice shooting percentage is up from a 9.8 to a 14.7. His on-ice save is up from an 87.9 to a 91.5. So he's bumping up all his possession metrics, which is helping his scoring, which is helping his defense because he's getting the puck, the team is controlling the puck, and he's throwing it on net, which is what Bugner has told him to do, is throw the puck on net.
0: What's funnier is so I found the projection card for Fresh. Heronik's projected war for the season was 37%.
1: He was projected to be far worse.
0: (laughs) Yeah. His time on ice projections, second pair, obviously. His EV offense, 51. EV defense, 23. Power play, only a 28. So, if I can find the current season, I want to see where he's currently sitting because I would go ahead and safely say he's blowing that out of the water.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's hard to say that he's blowing that out of the water. And that's, it's what you wanted From Philip Pironic. It's what you hoped he would develop into. Which we had always said that Philip Pironic was playing on the top pair because our defense sucked. And he was probably going to be a really good second pair defenseman. And he's come in this season, like last season, disappointed. But this season come in and become a really good second pair defenseman. And Jake is going to be like, ha ha, I told you so. Chronic haters can suck it. And it's like, no, last year he was bad. There are times last year where he was bad. And this year, he was bad at the beginning, and he's gotten a ton better. And we'll admit when we're wrong, I, I'm not sure we said that Philip Hronick is going to have a bad season because we never want a player to have a bad season because that sucks.
0: But No, we've been wanting him to have good seasons because we know the offense that he can bring. Now it's finally happening.
1: Yeah, and that's all just get the puck on that. And I, and I can say that maybe Blashel was one of Hronick's problems. And they had said that some of the younger guys had some issues with Jeff Blaschel. and Heronik seems to have drastically changed his situation after a coaching change. Well, after several coaching changes, because almost the whole bench besides Tangay is different. But I- I'm I'm trying to find a reason how you can go from like worst to first, and it's it's really hard for me. And Olimata has helped, but. Only Mata is not the one scoring the goals for Hronik.
0: I think they've managed to find a good balance between each other, though. And I know that we've talked on it before, but Mata started the season being a little bit more aggressive, and he had that point surge because he's already, what, to the amount of points that he scored last year with L.A. and all, all of the, the entire season. So we know that the system and the way that him and Hronik have been playing together sparked something. but. Now I think it's taken it to a new level. And it also helps that Veronica on the power play has been fantastic the way that they've been able to move the, move the puck around and he's fully taken advantage of his role there. And that's helped. I think that's translating over to five on five because he's taken risks that we were used to him seeing, but he's, he's got the support. He doesn't have the dead legs of the Kaiser and the way that there's a confidence in Heronick that we're finally seeing that we hadn't seen in a long time. And, but it's also not for the lack of effort on the defensive side as well. He's acting good defense, which I think was probably one of our biggest criticisms over the last couple of years is when you get, when he's back in his own end, he's just kind of there, but he's been, he's made some great pass breakups and play breakups coming back and into his odd man rushes, for instance, his board play has been fantastic, and he's helping with their breakout that we knew was going to be a make-or-break thing as they go up through this season. And he's been a huge key, key to that, in my opinion.
1: It's been gap, honestly, gap control is another thing, too. Like, the team yeah. as a whole, their gap controls gotten a lot better, but that's been big for defensemen is being able to close off the lanes.
0: And, and, and does that speak to truly what Boogner's brought over from San Jose?
1: Partially, I think that's also a big thing that Lalone has has preached is that if you can control the gaps in the neutral zone, it is led to he said, I think it was last night that the gap control and the neutral zone play has actually led to more offensive rushes for the team because they're playing the gaps, they're retrieving the puck and they're able to turn around and easily head back the other direction because they're a fast team. So I think that's part of it too with the defense is that they're also able to control their gaps and recover and just break out pass. Breakout passes have been a lot better too. How
0: many turnovers did Tampa have last night? Is that a known?
1: A a ton. I think at one point we had like four and they had 16.
0: Yeah, it was like, I think that kind of speaks to that heavily right there. And now I know a lot of them were also forced in the offensive zone, meaning Detroit on the forecheck forced Tampa into something stupid, but that right there, like the pressure that Detroit has been consistently putting on some of these, what you would call a top tier team has been impressive. They did it last night at Tampa. I get it. Tampa had 20 plus shots in the third period, trying to make their comeback, but Detroit didn't break down. They stayed calm for the most part and held them at bay. They did, but they did to Vegas or we're pushing hard against Vegas in the four check. They're doing it against Toronto. It, and granted, a couple of those were losses, but the fact is they're staying consistent in how they're doing it. Now, you could argue that last night's goaltending compared to the Vegas and Toronto game was much better. That's, I think that's going to be how fragile this team will be as we go further into the season, is what is the goaltending going to do? Because you can't be perfect on defense to the entire game. We saw that last night. We've seen it with, this, with pretty much any game you can talk about. So if they can keep that full group effort in place, the possibility is there. But again, I'm trying. I am going to do my damnedest to terrible level-headed. That. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to go crazy. No. I think next year is where you want to make it and you can go crazy with it. But this year, it's still, let's just get there. Let's see what happens. Get to the all-star break. I know that's getting closer than further away, if you will. So, but, but it's still, it's, it's, it's hard to say
1: that you're not excited for what they're doing right now. And with that, we are going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor before we close the show out tonight. NFL Sundays are only getting better. And so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check out this. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, and point totals. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and place a $5 pregame money line bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And we're back. And I have found the giveaway and takeaway stats from the Tampa game. The Red Wings during that entire game had one giveaway from Oscar Sundquist. And Tampa had 16 giveaways for the entire game. Uh, Five of them came from Nikita Kutroff. So not great. Uh, Not a great game for Tampa in controlling the puck or keeping the puck. They controlled the puck rather well because their Corsi numbers were good, but keeping the puck, uh, they were not very good at it. So, um, And and that's also partially because they got angry and messy. And when they get mad, they get messy and they uh, had a lot of giveaways. But uh, what I want to kind of end the show with tonight are just a couple pieces of information that I think were looked over during the week that I had somehow missed. Uh, Chase Pearson is back with the Grand Rapids Griffins after uh, spending time away for personal reasons. No one knows why. It's none of our business, but he is back. Jen said that he has actually immediately made an impact, and he's kind of the kind of player they've been missing. And I believe the Griffins are winning awesome. right now.
0: Uh, last I saw, they were up 3 nothing.
1: Yeah, a goal by Pontus Andreasen, a goal by Albert Johansson. Those were the last two that I saw. So the Griff needs guys like um, like Chase Pearson. He's a vet for them. He's actually a really good Red Wings fill-in too. So it'll be nice to see him uh, going and getting some reps in in Grand Rapids after missing the beginning of the season. The other interesting note was that uh, Marco Casper will not be playing in the World Juniors for Team Austria. Uh, Austria said they want him to focus on playing for the men's national team, which means that I guess he'll play for the men's world world championship team. And I can't do both. And then there are a bunch of people that are arguing that it's more important for him to get SHL time anyways, because they are tougher games against tougher opponents because the champions hockey league is wrapping up and the SHL season is going to start. So I, I don't, I don't know. I like to see those guys around competition with their, how they do against the best competition in their age group. Um, but it's not my choice. So I, I don't know if that's an Austria choice or if that's an Iserman choice, but I'd, I'd venture to say it's probably an Iserman choice.
0: I would probably go venture to say it's organizational because the same thing was said with uh, Edvinson not being with Sweden this year. That's the, at least the rumor. I think uh, was it? Greg, who posted that earlier today? I retweeted it. George, not Greg. So George tweeted out, uh, Swedish news outlets, Hockey Fair, Hockey News, SE, and Expressen are reporting that Iserman and Horkov made the decision in concert with Edvinson for him to not play in the World Juniors. So the Swedish coach, Magnus Havlid, I, I know I just completely destroyed that. Sorry, Lars. Yeah, sorry, Lars. His comments were um, on Edvinson. It's a no. Unfortunately, you'll have to ask Simon in Detroit about the reasons. The wishes of me and Swedish hockey was to have him on the roster. So there, there you have it. So I would assume loosely that that decision was very much the same as what we saw with Casper.
1: Which makes sense. I mean, you don't want your guys getting hurt in a tournament. You want your guys getting reps where they're at because they're getting chemistry with the team. They're getting familiar with the systems and you've got a closer eye on them. It makes sense to me, but if they want Edvinson for the men's team or they want Casper for the... I mean, it's not going to be Edvinson for the men's team because the Swedish men's team defense should be fairly good, but the Austrian men's team defense, probably not. So I would think they are forwards because Casper's a forward. I would think that they would want Casper for their team, the men's team. And at that point they might say, okay, well go ahead and go play for your country. So we'll see what happens there too. But Ryan, I want to get your final thoughts before we sign off tonight.
0: Uh, Final thoughts. We're having some more fun hockey and I don't think, and I'll probably say this over and over and over again, at least until the all-star break. I don't think you can really be upset with what you're seeing out of the Red Wings right now. Last night, was a bit of a statement win. It was a fully healthy Tampa team that for, you could say, maybe 45 minutes, they took it to them. And then the rest was the third period and Tampa just doing their thing, but they just couldn't necessarily score. And at least we had an answer to them scoring, I should say. So to see that is huge and it's growth. So. Whether or not that can be maintained, I, I hope so. You got to think it will because we I mentioned the Toronto and Vegas games more recent as a, one to look at where they're pushing heavily offensively. It's just they didn't have the full game, if you will, in terms of what goaltending could do to help them out and de- what they were doing defensively. So if they can pull off a few more type style wins like they did last night as we go into this kind of hell month, if you will, they're going to be in a really good position. And that's really all you can ask for, I think, out of this, this season's team. So I'm staying optimistic. Will I get pissed off night tonight at a game? Probably. That's, that's going to be a given at this point. But I'm not going to say they're a playoff team because I don't want to have that, that true feeling until maybe we actually are knocking on that door as we get closer to all-star break, as we get closer to the trade deadline and things like that. So we'll see. Either way, it's fun to watch. Twitter's fun with it. I hope it keeps going. But if not, I get it. So already running 33.
1: My final thoughts are going to be the next games before we record next, which I think we should be back on Monday next week. We have the Florida Panthers tomorrow, the 8th. And the Dallas Stars on the 10th. Those are both road games that will wrap up our four game road trip. And I mean, they're winnable games. If we just beat Tampa like that, the Florida game is winnable. They are um, getting towards the top of Micah's sadness charts, teams that are probably going to miss the playoffs, but also probably not going to hit in the draft lottery. And uh, Dallas, uh, Ottinger's been great, Uh, Robertson's been phenomenal. That Dallas team, I'm not sure the whole team is good, but they've got a lot of good pieces. So I think those are two winnable games. And if we can come out with two win, two more wins and win all four on a road trip, that's a huge confidence boost heading towards the end of the year. So we'll see what happens there.
0: The only bummer is neither of those teams, when we, when we go into Florida and Dallas, they're not coming off back-to-backs. So really
1: no, no. Um, but that is going to do it for us tonight. Uh, you can follow me online at Bring the Wing. You follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. Uh, you can check out our merch at redbubble.com by searching the Grindline. We like to give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network for hosting us at Hockey Pod Net. We also like to give a shout out to Vintage Detroit, which is the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and work on. If you use the promo code Grindline at Howie's Hockey Tape, you'll get 10% off your order. If you use that same promo code at Bring Hockey Back, you will get 12% off your order. Also go over to our YouTube sub there, turn on the notifications. We post these episodes there as well that way you can see our beautiful faces and see what we're drinking as we record because we are always drinking and we are always beautiful. Um, But that is going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.